Let's get a coffee, a tea or two Talk about minds like freedom stew This is our safe zone for me and you Talk about things we shouldn't do uh. Back again now with another topic With another option, with another caution It's a chill place where we talk TNT's back again, don't stop uh. Hello guys, welcome back for another episode of the Entos podcast session. Um, hope you guys are doing well. Uh, it's good morning, evening, night, or whatever time you are listening to this. As you can hear, the sound of my voice is extra crispy this time. You know, we we got we got extra new mics. I'm pretty excited to test them out this time around. Um, depending on which episode you listen to this, um, we'll we'll still you know talk about the the new mics. But yeah, <laughs> um, hope you guys had a wonderful Ramadan. Uh, and hope you guys will have a blessed Raya as well. You know, everybody's excited of going home, finally getting to go balik kampung here and there after two very long years of sitting inside of your house. You know, so um, time to have fun, get that do it Raya. And for those who are working, well, good luck giving out do it Raya. I guess. Well, anyways, uh, today we have a very 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 exciting new guest um it's uh, one of my friends that i've met for quite a long time really really long before even before the covid era but like i think um due to the sport that we've both, both been playing it's uh kind of brought us together as great friends and a lot more other people you know like so uh why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself our fellow guest today Hi. Okay, so I'm Aisha. I knew Mail from our frisbee days. I mean, we're currently still playing frisbee. Um, my frisbee age is four years old. Right? <laughs> I started <laughs> in 2018. Uh, for the most part, played in New Zealand and only recently came back to Malaysia. So yeah, excited to be here to be in Mail's podcast. Finally, oh. it happened. <laughs> I've been delaying it for quite a long. I mean, I've been delaying way it for too long. way too long. <laughs> but but yeah, we met. I managed to get new good mics finally, you know, so I was like, maybe this is the time before she flies off to Australia, you know. <laughs> new Zealand. New Zealand, right. For Sorry. Uh, I've been, <laughs> been thinking about my sister who's all the way in Australia, you have to understand that. So, um, it happens, um, like she said, we, we played, I don't think we played together, we've mainly played against each other. I mean, in the past, but... <sighs> Uh, when you talk about competitive, yeah, we've played against each other. Yeah. But when you talk about social frisbee, we do play with I each other know. quite a number of times. Well, in pickups, you know, it, we we do play a lot with each other. It, for those who don't know what pickup is, is like your essential main petang petang bola thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? So super fun, super chill, yeah. Not, nothing very serious, nothing very competitive. You know, mm-hmm. unless you're there to improve yourself, and everybody is there to do the same. By like, who's judging? It's the one that you can just throw anything you want, and no one's gonna be mad. Uh, well, depends. <laughs> honestly, okay, maybe uh, I would be mad sometimes, but you know. <laughs> Sure, sometimes. Only if it's Ma'il throwing random crap. (laughs) It's always me throwing random crap. It's never me throwing... I mean, it's very rarely that I throw very nicely, (laughs) you know? But, oh well. Uh, You've been back in Malaysia for how many years now? For like two years? Uh, Almost two years. Yeah, I came back in October 2020. 
Mm-hmm. And I haven't really played much in Malaysia, like no competitive or anything. So it's just mainly social, um, frisbee, like a lot of pickups here and there. Mm-hmm. Nothing competitive. So you've played in Malaysia frisbee-wise, basically. Your frisbee age in Malaysia, how long has that been? Oof. I think this, I mean, since October 2020 has been the longest I've been in Malaysia and playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started in 2018 and I was in Malaysia for probably a few months before I flew off. So I guess if you put that together, it's less than two years in Malaysia. Well, at least more than one year as yeah. well. In fact, I heard that you actually started up um, a team in Malaysia in your old college. If oh I'm yeah, I did. I did. It was in my, um, it was in Malacca. So I wanted to play frisbee so bad and no one else wanted to play with me. So I kind of just made everyone else play with me mm-hmm. and like taught them how to play. Not that I knew how to play. So mm-hmm. it was pretty random. And then um, we started playing pickups um, every Wednesday um, with the rest of the players in Malacca. And that's just how the team started. And it is still there till today. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, I played with them once. Uh, but it was uh, like a senior, I wouldn't say a senior team. It was just more like, like I said, it was a friendly pickup kind of group, which like uh, just decided to like, uh, let's just join the competition for fun. You know, you get what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, pretty, pretty great that you, you, you can call yourself a founding, uh-huh. founding queen or whatever you call it. I suppose it. so. <laughs> <laughs> but like, okay. So when you transitioned... Uh, in into uh playing as uh, a casual player into a more competitive player it started off in malaysia if i'm not mistaken correct um i did play a few competitive um like competitions in malaysia but i wouldn't say i transitioned into a competitive player in malaysia i think uh, my transition happened in new zealand um in malaysia mainly because um my ex at that mm-hmm. time um he was playing for a team mm-hmm. and basically they needed women and I was available so that's the only reason that I played for those uh, tournaments other than that um, I, I guess I'm pretty social in Malaysia um, okay because uh, like I said we in in that when I got to know you you weren't playing for the team that you actually brought up if I'm not mistaken you played yeah for nah. a... because um the Tarakona the team that I founded yeah. you know quote-unquote quote, quote. um <laughs> Um, we weren't competitive at all. So basically, we were just just a very, very new team trying to, you know, play Frisbee, honestly. So we just had a few friendlies here and there with um, KMB, mm-hmm. um, that sort of uh, teams, and nothing competitive at all. Well, you can see, actually, Frisbee is still in its infancy stages in Malaysia. I would see it like that because... It is slowly starting to grow since uh, it was first brought into Malaysia. And the funny thing is, it was brought in Malaysia quite some time before this, if I'm not mistaken. It's been about 20, 10, 10 years. It's been here a long time. Yeah. Just a lot of people didn't know about it. Yeah. People would usually, you know, in the sense of Malaysian terms, oh, frisbee yang mining and anjing too. That's the, that's the yeah. typical backlash that we get. But like, oh, well, you never tried. I, I didn't know that it existed until I went into uh, uni. And then... um. I was like, okay, let's try this new thing, basically. And because I'm more of a hand person rather than a feet person. Right, and, right. You know, so no bola for you. No lah. bola for okay, me. I'm okay. a kaki banku for days. <laughs> I cannot shoot properly if my life depended on it. So, yeah. <laughs> well. uh, 
seeing how it has grown, I, I really enjoy looking at how Frisbee is slowly growing here and there and more official tournaments have popped up and things like that. But comparatively, in New Zealand, it has been brought up pretty well. Yeah, um, I suppose the opportunities to play um, exist in New Zealand at a really younger stage, like when you're younger. So they do have um, teams from high school. So basically they... Uh, they develop players from high school and obviously certain schools do have all these key players that you know grow up to become New Zealand players in the future um, and they do have things like um, secondary school um, championships and stuff like that specifically for frisbee which is interesting because that's not something you find in Malaysia at yeah, all I don't think I've ever seen one actually exactly and to be honest like in Malaysia um the number of high schools that have frisbee is very little. Like, honestly, I can count it on one hand. Yeah. I might be wrong, you know, uh, but... Uh, well, you're not wrong. The ones that I know is basically here in USJ, which is like yeah, your four school, schools. Yeah, your school, isn't Seafield, USJ 12, and USJ 8, if I'm not mistaken. And still, that's counted in one hand, <laughs> yeah. basically. So, I'm not quite sure if there is other uh, frisbee, you know, schools out there. But, you know, it could be wrong. Uh, I've never seen them actually. I've seen them have a four way battle before, mm-hmm. but it's only that. And there's no further development into school frisbee, ultimate frisbee, uh, games or such. Right. I think part of it is because like we lack coaches and stuff like that, which I think is what New Zealand kind of has. So a lot of their players who grew up um playing frisbee and then has gone into uni now plays for New Zealand they do come back and um, coach the younger people in Mm -hmm. their school so it's kind of like a giving back to community thing and they do also have um, actual coaches that coach them so that's something that I think does we don't have in Malaysia I don't think we have that maybe we do have it in a higher much higher level uh, basically it's not it it is only appealed for mainly uni uni teams or maybe um community groups basically. Yeah, I think for high schools in Malaysia, like it's only you know if your seniors or whoever graduated from your school wants to come back and you know contribute to the school again, then mm-hmm. I guess it's the only way for you to you know be be thought um of how to play frisbee properly. Yeah, because um. When I saw, actually, these kids are actually not bad. They can actually do have so things. much potential. Honestly, yeah. it's just they need that proper coaching. No, say like teach them young. <laughs> True, but it's kind of sad, really. If we don't start it like at this point in time, where it's they're still young, they still can learn it in the university stage, but they could have developed even more and better, you know, comparatively to what New Zealand is doing. And I'm pretty sure, like. Uh, I wouldn't say Malaysian players are bad, but I'm pretty sure that I think high schoolers there can pretty easily beat half the teams yeah. here, honestly. Honestly, the potential you see, when I go against these young kids and I'm like, oh my god, they're so good, they're so fast, their skills are top-notch, and mind you, they're not even 18 at that point in time, and I was like, how are you 16 and throwing so well? Mm-hmm. It's because they have all these, like... um tournaments and all these coaches that coach them and stuff like that and then they we have clubs so for example i play for auc mm-hmm. auckland university ultimate club and we do tournaments specifically for um high schoolers and for first year university students so, so basically your your university approaches these kids mm, not quite um we just 
advertise a a tournament mm-hmm. so it's called usually it's called summer fling um during the summer when they're finishing their high school etc so they can just join in anyone all around Auckland can just join yeah, okay. basically that's like a small fee that you pay like five dollars per game that's or something pretty like that cheap, honestly. and <laughs> yeah it's it's social but can be competitive as well depending on who's playing mm-hmm. and we try to make the teams as equal as possible so like no team is you know too overpowered yeah, in a sense basically yeah. so uh, but that's actually one of the other opportunities they have so then from there you can see like the talents that they have like okay you want to scout okay I want that one uh, <laughs> that okay. one you, you, you just go uh, approach them like you better come to this uh, you know university you yeah know. but then again the, the decision lies on them like whether they want to study it um, Auckland Uni or not mm-hmm. yeah. well um, usually I feel like if it's a good local university people will tend to flock there more often than not you know true I mean for Auckland Uni we have a lot of New Zealand players like I think um, so the structure that goes on for AUUC is that we do have four teams mm-hmm. on a yearly basis when we enter into um, uni nationals so the top two teams is called the premier teams so flood is the first team and then flow is the second team and then we do have development teams which is flash x and flash y so they can choose to name whatever they want to name okay, it in the yeah. future but it's x and y basically um flood is mainly made up of na- like national players okay. so a lot of new zealand players play there it's really hard to make it to flood <laughs> sounds very very you know up there <laughs> yeah, it is very so people say very atas right Aye. but yeah uh i mean it's really hard to get in there because of the skill level they have so mm. it doesn't matter if you are a first year uni if you're mm. a third year uni the experience say the number of years you've been playing doesn't really factor into whether you make it to flood or not mm-hmm. it's basically your skills so during tryouts even if you're 18 first year uni and you know you do really well you make really good decisions then sure you can make it to the team yeah it's um these things actually well you can't teach old dogs new tricks basically Mm. but when when it comes to skill yes um sometimes raw talent can also outbeat things True. but nothing can actually beat hard work as well because yeah. like you mentioned they started when they were young basically so they have the advantage of that experience yeah in a and way. imagine they're like young they can run fast and here i am an old person trying <laughs> to keep up with you're your not speed. that old come on let's not <laughs> i'm 24 and these kids are what six years younger than me okay, so when, when you put it that way it's fine or understandable you know um, I did experience this once when I was uh, like five, four, four years ago when I was st- still starting fresh with Fris- Ultimate Frisbee. There was a team that was called Fresh Meat. You know, mm-hmm. it was a school team basically. It was a bunch of teenagers in it, and it was coached by uh one of the you know idols in Ultimate Frisbee here, which is Gladwin. Okay. Yeah, everybody knows Gladwin. Yeah. Um, he was they were he was coaching. Um, that team called Fresh Meat and they were just basically 15, 16 years old not even as tall as you know I, I think you're taller than them at that point <laughs> you know but they were playing at like a level where they actually got second beating a lot of um, uni teams that were there Actually, I do remember playing... I'm not sure if it's Fresh Meat um, that I was up against, but I remember playing in one of my early tournaments in mm. Malaysia. Um, and I was against the team um, from high school. Oh, okay. And uh, mind you, my team was pretty much comprised of um, a lot of older 
people, you know. Okay. Uh, no shame, but you know. <laughs> and then you're up against high schoolers mm-hmm. who are much fresher than you, who have more stamina than you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I tell you, their skills are top notch. It's not like how do I say? You can't really discount them just because they're young, they're fast. Mm-hmm. Their skills are good because. In my opinion, like it doesn't matter if you are fast, but if you can't catch, if you can't throw, it, you can't really useless. play the yeah, game basically. Exactly. But their skill set, like in terms of throwing, catching, is very solid. Mm-hmm. Um, their basic skills, like even the basic throws, and the best part of it is that they use their women a lot. So. A lot of the teams don't really use their women, and women are mostly props in some of the teams in Malaysia. But this one, this um, high school kids, they use their women, and their women's were their handlers, were were the ones who were making the plays, and it was honestly very refreshing to see. Well, um, it is very important because it's a, in Malaysia. It is a mixed sport. You know, there is certain areas where you can have single genders and everything, but. Most of the time in Malaysia, we tend to play it with uh, how how's the ratio three four four three uh either yeah. or basically so four women three men or three men four women that used to be five two but uh, that one has been diminished quite oh, a long, long time, time ago, ago yeah. basically so but like to put it in context like uh for uh people who are really new on like what ultimate frisbee is like there we do have certain positions which is handler cutters and also dippers okay like Aisha mentioned earlier it was a handler handlers are more like the playmakers you know like how midfielders are in football so basically that's the typically your strongest um, throwers are your handlers the one who can control the disc better who um, makes good judgment yeah has good calls and everything will become your handlers typically and the cutters are the ones that are moving the, the disc forward and things like that and then your deepers are basically your go-to men you can say like in football not in football in rugby terms it's like your okay it's just think of frisbee is like a mixture of american football and netball so what how it works is that for american football you have to score in a certain end zone right um so same thing frisbee you have to score in a certain end zone and how it's similar to netball is that once you catch it you can't move so a mixture of those two probably give you an idea of how it looks like um netball has more rigid rules if I'm not mistaken but like in frisbee you can actually take a few steps after when you yeah. actually go. so your, your feet is not literally glued to the ground once you catch it yeah so. definitely I, I cannot uh, I cannot function with netball I have I've to I've seen move. people play netball and I'm like oh my god how do you plant your feet like your, that your away? dedication to not move your feet is crazy and the funny thing is like here's a small random context like, I've like played with like these uh, girls before and then I they wanted to join a netball competition after that and all of them were just putting their like moving you know how netball is not supposed to move but they're they're so used to frisbee they kept on moving even though with them with the ball so there's fouls thrown everywhere during that whole <laughs> netball game it's pretty funny lah. okay um, moving like towards like because you experienced um, games in New Zealand mm-hmm. and you've experienced games in Malaysia and how do I say this like from my point of view, from what I see in uh, Malaysia, is that the female players tend to get left out a lot. Mm. Yeah, And I've noticed that you have been a lot, having a lot of fun through your IG posts and everything. <laughs> I see your, your games and all are, you know, the girls look more 
excited to be in the game. The more fun and also more inclusive in that game, you know, from Malaysia's wise, I see that you know, girls are more like just to fill in the, the gaps for the team, you mm. know what I mean? Yeah. And not used. And this creates like a really bad balance through the team. If you go up against a team where like I should mention like they will used their female players really well, they can excel really well because True. it gives a lot more space for a lot of things. So like how is your experience there compared to here? So I think um before we go into the game side, like I think at the very core is that um my club the, the one I play in New Zealand we value women a lot so for us um we have female captains male captains female spirit captains um we do have a lot of um workshops for female players we do have things like um female hat tournament so oh, it's usually a winter fun. hat tournament okay. um we do a lot of so sometimes we have this um how do i say like a session Um, a discussion session where we analyze the plays between multiple teams. Okay. So we had this amazing person. I can't remember her name, but this person who did all the analysis. So she was seeing how much throws were passed to men versus women for mm-hmm. each team, and she was analyzing it through our national plays because it was streamed. Mm-hmm. And from there, she was able to pinpoint which team has been, you know, balancing out female and male players, mm-hmm. which team has been using predominantly their male players. Mm-hmm. Um, and from there, the feedback goes back to the team and like, mm-hmm. hey, look, you're not using your female players as much. Maybe you want to fix that. Um, and so these t- teams take those constructive criticism and try and fix um, mm-hmm. those equality b- within the team. That is like basically on outside. So what things that we do to make sure that there is equality between females and males in the sport. Mm-hmm. And within the game setting, we always keep it in mind that um, you cannot just look off a woman just because you're not confident in her. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where all the training comes in, um, making sure that, you know, female make the cuts and stuff like that. And we're not trying to force it to a point where, oh, you have to throw to a female, mm-hmm. right? Uh, we're saying you need to give equal opportunities. If she's open and you're not throwing it to her, that's on you yeah. and it's not on her. More often than not, it happens in games. Yeah, here, true. You know? I mean, sometimes in New Zealand as well, it's not really something that you can, you know, control at every single move, yeah, right? Definitely. But um, I guess the the way we train ourselves and the way we have those thinking of to make sure that our females have the same equal chances to play equal opportunities um, and you know not being looked off when they are super free um, is one of the reasons why we're able to retain a lot more female players I feel like one of the things in Malaysia that's like that we are struggling with is actually to retain female players and more often than not you'll see teams participating and then they're like oh we need more female players anyone keen yeah I, oh, I, like, like I mentioned before it happens more often than you think mm. and it's getting a little bit out of hand because there are a lot of people that are very interested in playing with us and playing with new teams or trying out the sport it's just the people around surrounding them is not really friendly towards these female players they think it's a more of a hassle but so many pot- uh, female players that I've seen have wider, bigger potentials and actually are better than male players. True, true. And I think one of the biggest differences um, that I feel is that 
they had more opportunities in New Zealand. So what I mean is that, so as a female player, um, as, at the start of the season, you can choose to try different positions. Mm-hmm. So you can choose to be a handler, for example, if you want to, you know, um, make your handling skills a lot better. And throughout the season, that's what you'll be training towards. And um, what that means is that it makes you, you know, you can develop your skills and you can train your skills to become better and not just stick to the role that you had before. Mm -hmm. So let's say if you were a midfielder in the past, that doesn't mean that that's the only thing you can do forever. And so these opportunities were presented to these women. And it's kind of different to Malaysia. I mean, I'm not like shit talking. I'm just sort of stating facts from my um, experiences. My experiences, yeah. Is that... um, a lot of men who are handlers refuse to let go of that position to a person who wants to try to mm-hmm. be a handler. Um, and that is a, causes a lot of detriment because, mm-hmm. first of all, when you play any sport, you don't get good in one night, right? Mm-hmm. You have to train for it. You have to, um, you know, keep working on it. And if you're not allowed the chance to keep working on it, how are you supposed to be good at it? Uh, well, unless you're, like I said, unless there is natural born talent in you, uh, then it's fine, totally fine. But like, but so- like 99% of Frisbee players are, I mean, in terms of your skill set um, of throwing, catching are not born with those talents. You work for it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And it's very hard. It's hard for when there's this certain set of mind mindsets that exist in older players where they are the only ones that people can harp up like yeah true true to, basically like oh nobody else can do the way I do and like oh <laughs> yeah. that doesn't create a good opportunity for newer players and that's another issue for like Malaysian uh, frisbee to- games basically they only pick and choose the ones that they see with natural born talent rather than the ones they have to work on basically. yeah true and that's that's sad because what's the future of the sport without the new younger players who needs to be developed right who's mm-hmm. gonna help them what's gonna happen to um new, sorry to frisbee in Malaysia in the future if no one's gonna develop all these young talents mm-hmm. And that's that's actually very sad. <laughs> because we love this sport a lot. We, we play it as often as we can and we join competitions as often and again. And we tend to see a lot of different types of people, different types of playing styles, different types of, um, you know, how they work together. Mm. And it's very comparatively and you can see a certain pattern where new players are really getting slandered off and really not given the opportunity. True, true. And I think one of the things is that during pickups that I notice sometimes is that for newer players, right, they're new, they've never played this sport or they've played it, what, one or, once or twice and um, you throw it to them and then they drop it and the second and third time you don't want to throw it to them anymore. Mm-hmm. You're like going to look them off no matter how free they were. Mm-hmm. And that honestly makes me so angry sometimes because how are you supposed to get newer players how are you supposed to get more players if you're not willing to teach them how to catch if you're not willing to give them the chance to fix themselves Mm -hmm. because you don't expect everyone who takes the court at a pickup mind you at a pickup i'm not even talking about a tournament but at a pickup um to be just perfect and know how to play it even even me like both of us who have been playing for quite some time also tend to mess up, you know? And yeah. it's perfectly normal, especially when you're new, you know? You certain things that you don't know, like... 
especially the, the things that you um you notice is the game sense that they don't have at the moment at, mm. during that time. And I feel like I like playing with those newer players because for me is that um I will usually play against them and mm. mark them and tell them okay you should go here you should go there so mm-hmm. in me marking them is also me teaching them what space you need to look out for which one you should go for mm-hmm. and um oftentimes i don't mark them as hard as i could mm-hmm. because i don't want them to feel dejected you know yep. they need to feel like they've gotten the diss like oh i i did something yeah. you know? slowly ease them into yeah. the hard ones you know because than... again it is a pickup it's mm-hmm. not like competitive or anything i mean if i want to play competitive sure i wouldn't let her get any diss yeah, at all definitely. and i'm just gonna like capitalize on her not being able to <laughs> mark me well you know but Again, it is a pickup, and it is some uh, a place where people come to learn how to play the game. Come to meet new people as well. Mm. And the the issue that we have as well is whenever there's pickups as well, you know, there's a mixture of new and old people. They we tend to stick together with the old ones. Basically, we tend to <laughs> what what we call it, berpua in a sense. It's yeah. groupism in a way. So it creates like a certain gap between new and old players, where like the new people feel. Like, I don't, I don't really fit in here. I know mm. I shouldn't come here anymore because it's not where I feel safe or. Yeah, true. And I think certain pickups are like that. So some pickups are way more competitive than mm. a normal pickup would look like, and so newer players are gonna be like, "Oh, I can't play here. I like, I, I mess up all the time, and they won't throw it to me anymore." Yeah. Definitely, they they will feel dejected, like you mentioned. Yeah, and the the whole premise of these new players coming in and everything is, um, it is easy to attract people. Yes, mm-hmm. it's hard, definitely very hard to keep them together. Yeah, to retain players is really hard, and especially when you have someone who shows interest, who wants to play it, mm-hmm. but then it they are being met with a culture that is. Toxic, you know, mm. at a certain level, um, that wouldn't allow them to make mistakes. That you know does not teach them how to fix those mistakes, rather, but condemn them, them for yeah. those mistakes. And how is it that you're supposed to get new players to play? I would feel definitely feel shitty after. I that. mean, okay, for someone who has been playing for quite some time mm. as well, I go to some of these pickups, and of course, I haven't played competitive in so long, mm. and so I've been very relaxed in my running, <laughs> yeah. and my throwing. You know, I can tell that. Yeah. <laughs> And um, sometimes um, at those pickups, I also do drop my discs mm-hmm. or, you know, just have miscommunications with the team because, mm-hmm. of course, these are random people we're playing with on a weekly basis, right? And even then, I get, like, you know, condemned for it and they wouldn't throw it to me. And I'm like, whoa, what? They're like, chill, you know, it's uh, just the pickup. Yeah, like... I dropped it once, okay? No one's even taking scores, like, chill. chill. <laughs> uh, so... You like as I want. I want you to compare what is going on. Uh, how do they deal with these new players in New Zealand compared to here? Like, what have you seen there, which is different and can be brought into mm. Malaysia? Okay, so we do have development trainings. Mm-hmm. So nowadays we call it LT One Hundred One. Um, so we do have it on the weekends usually. And what happens is that it's a session mainly for beginners or anyone who wants to improve their skills. And throughout these sessions, we do uh, focus on basics, so throwings, cuttings, um, you know, break throws, open throws, mm-hmm. um, long throws, and then at the end of 
the first hour of teaching and developing those skills, we do we put them to test by having a pickup. Mm-hmm. So during this pickup, we do sometimes have a mix of more experienced players coming in just wanting to play, as well as those beginners who are just trying out the sport. Now, although we have a mixture of um, more veteran players, I suppose, those with more experience who have played on a national level, mm-hmm. um, that doesn't mean that the entire pickup was dominated by these people. So the main difference is that um, these veteran players, these players who plays for New Zealand, um, you know, all these high, very, very skilled players, they actually um, actively teach, actively coach these newer players. Mm -hmm. So we do mix them up in a team. And when we do that, this uh, typically this, uh, say the New Zealand player is the handler Mm -hmm. because, I mean, we don't want it to drop every two seconds, right? (laughs) Definitely. But but then they will encourage them, okay, to come to its means for for, to cut, to cut here, here's an open space, Uh cut there, that sort of thing. Pointing the direction to go. it's not so much of just wanting to score every single time yeah. it's never that it's always to you know okay look this is the opportunity here you can do it okay. and sometimes when um when i've played with them in the past as well and you know you see some things that they can fix on mm-hmm. i don't um just straight away tell them oh you did this wrong so like say if i sub out for that point and they sub out as well and i'm like oh hey you were doing really well mm-hmm. uh, but you so Try to give them the situation that they were in. Try mm-hmm. to tell them what it is that they can improve on. Mm-hmm. Um, constructive criticism. Also, so, give them credit where it's due exactly. as well. Where they good, they, they so, good. No, no condemning has happened um, throughout my entire time in New Zealand. And especially when they drop it, right? Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh my god, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. I'm like, no, 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 it's fine. It's, it's fine. fine. <laughs> Keep going. Keep going, it's fine. Um, let's just try again. And sometimes... As a more experienced player, you also need to adapt yourselves to these people who are mm-hmm. newer. So you need to throw it softer. You need to throw it further out in front of them mm-hmm. so that they have time to, to get there. Chase after it. Yeah, so those are things you need to focus on as opposed to playing with um, you know, people of the same skill level as you are mm-hmm. where you pretty much can throw ev- anything and it'll be catched. Yeah. Uh, the the issues with like, uh, new people in New Zealand, basically, mm-hmm. how did they... How did they how do you say this, retain them every week to come and things like that? So I think for the most part, they do enjoy these development sessions, mainly because they don't feel the pressure. Um, during this beginner training, so LT101, um, it's all new players. Mm-hmm. So for them, it's like, I'm just as bad as the guy next to me. Okay. So <laughs> I don't have to feel pressured to, to perform well. Mm-hmm. And once they do that, then we also get let them have um, game sense mm-hmm. um, when we do our competitive season so that's why we have the development teams mm-hmm. so these development teams are basically players who are say borderline players from um, high-end teams mm-hmm. also for newer players and every year we have a heaps amount of people who are new to mm-hmm. the game and we do trainings with them and the way we train them is exactly the same way we train our top teams okay. so there's no discrimination in terms of like okay it's a development team we're not gonna you know put much, much time in you in if it. anything we actually put more time in them yeah. so they do have more trainings than a, <laughs> than a top tier team does okay that sounds really interesting <laughs> <laughs> and so during these trainings then we teach them okay this is what a stack looks like mm-hmm. this is what a horizontal looks like this is what a zone looks like mm-hmm. and 
all the things that we teach the um, top teams are being taught to them as well. Do you guys have like, um, for example, uh, a theoretical uh, session as well? Like red, like on a whiteboard, <laughs> you, th- you show them like, okay, this is how it looks like. Well, not quite. We do have cones on the ground. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> But I- we do have like a, say, 15 minute rundown on what it is that we're trying to teach. Mm-hmm. And then we straight away put it to um, motion. So what happens is that it's not we go straight into games. Mm-hmm. We do like a half field uh, thing uh, and it's okay. like a stimu- uh, simulation, simulation kind of thing. Kind of thing. Right? And from there, um, we do like certain scenarios. Okay, what happens with this kind of zone, that mm-hmm. kind of zone, etc. And once they have figured it out, mm-hmm. then we will put it into a game. Uh, okay, give, give them opportunity to run through it Yeah, because well. sometimes... People get it on paper, but sometimes you need to be in the, in the game, game itself basically. to understand where yeah. it is that you're supposed to go. I feel like the hardest part for like new development players is, I mean, skills can be trained every day. It's the game sense. You yeah, know? true. Some like from what I've experienced, a lot of people from different sports come in. They already have that game sense. It's only the skill mm. that they need. But new new players who don't really they play kind sports, of need both. yeah, they they really need both. Uh, it depends on where where it's lacking la, but game sense is very 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 important in games like this it's a good thing you touched on game sense because um, the thing that we um, emphasize a lot in New Zealand um, with, well I suppose I wouldn't say in New Zealand within mm-hmm. my team in New Zealand you know okay. I wouldn't say everyone does this but is that we give information rather than direction. Mm-hmm. So what that means is that for example we're playing a zone mm-hmm. um, and so this person who's on the wing, um, I'm looking after that person. I'm on the sideline, for example. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling them, oh, hey, there's one guy behind you. Mm-hmm. So then that person gets to decide what they want to do with that mm-hmm. information, whether they want to you know, face the guy and block him off mm-hmm. or if they want to stay where they are. That's a decision that they make. So rather than give them directions, hey, mark this guy, mark mm-hmm. that guy kind mm-hmm. of thing, we give them room to decide what it is that they want to do. Because I think directing someone and you know telling them to do this to that might not be as fun anymore because yeah. then they feel pressured like oh people are just coming to me telling me all sorts of information and then they think that's the only way that exactly. it's supposed to do basically. so then when they have a chance to think of what it is that they're supposed to do with the information that was given to them mm-hmm. then they can decide oh okay I'm gonna move here and then for example this guy managed to get the disc then mm-hmm. for them it clicks oh maybe I should have blocked the other yeah. way around or whatever so it's a trial and error kind of thing for yeah. them as well. And it's not something that, you know, you don't want to swap them and yeah. tell them exactly what they need to do. Mm-hmm. It's sometimes you need to be in the moment and learn it yourself. Yeah, true. Okay, like, uh, seeing how this all happens and for going further into uh, competition-wise, this is the most interesting one because in Malaysia, we don't really have much competitions here and there rather mm. than the, the the random weekend tournament, whole day tournament or like... Okay. Uh, there's no leagues yet <laughs> set up in Malaysia if you know. I'm pretty yeah. sure you noticed basically. And we don't have like a certain setting for, you know, um how do I say this? Like league, basically, mm-hmm. you know, your levels and everything. I'm pretty sure... Like in New Zealand, you guys already established that how to like put people in divisions and yeah. things like that. Um, I I can say for Auckland in um specifically is that we do have a lot of leagues. We have a lot more than any other regions. Um, mind you, when in twenty nineteen was my peak year. Um, I was playing five out of seven days. That mm-hmm. includes training and 
leagues. No um, so we do have a lot of indoor leagues, a lot of outdoor leagues as well. Um, off the top of my head, um, we do have probably say four to five indoor leagues happening throughout the year mm-hmm. and then probably three to four um, outdoor leagues happening throughout the year. So these are leagues, not like one day, two day competitions. No, it's leagues. So basically, okay. typically it is around eight to 10 weeks or more than that. So 10 to 13 weeks, depending mm-hmm. on what league it is. Uh, and some leagues, um, if you're lucky, you get to play two games per night. Okay, that sounds fun. So it's value for money, I tell mm-hmm. you. Um, and for um, these outdoor leagues, it's usually obviously just one game per night mm-hmm. and it's a full field, um, you know, full size field with the amount of plays that you need as well. Same way as how a tournament would go. Yep. And you play it on a weekly basis. Um, in terms of dividing them, so in the past, we don't have much of division in terms of leagues, but mm-hmm. nowadays we do because we see there are more players who want to play. Mm-hmm. So we do have a beginner slash intermediate league that and is one is on more on the expert level league, I well, suppose. That, more competitive league. That's very important because like if you're a new player going into a tournament you get smashed by like a very experienced yeah. team, it's not, it's not good on the self-esteem, true, you know? True, true. So if you're playing like with the, with the people with the same level and experience as you you both develop similarly in a way to become better rather than mm. being be getting beaten up by a ex- fully experienced team so yeah. how, like, how do they balance that um so well as a team you get to choose whether you want to place yourself in the beginner intermediate um mm. league or you want to place yourself in the competitive league oh. so as a team you decide which side you want to be on well, because some I mean, mm-hmm. some newer players feel like, hey, I want to only play with the big guys. Uh, By all means, go, go ahead. ahead you know? <laughs> but like, how do you prevent the bigger leagues from going into the little, little leagues? Oh, you know? so we do have this um, organization, uh, Auckland Ultimate. So they they are the one who runs all these leagues. Mm-hmm. And I suppose they do check um, all these teams that are submitted in the beginner leagues, whether they are supposed to be there. Mm-hmm. But again, a lot of the... Um, you know, higher skilled players in New Zealand do not even want to play beginner leagues. So most of the time, they would go for the competitive leagues. Oh, well, it... Uh, I, uh, I'm going to say one thing, mm-hmm. and this might be very controversial in mm-hmm. Malaysia, is because the reason why these players would go for a competitive league compared to beginners is that we don't care about medals. We don't okay. care about winning. Mm-hmm. We care about improving our skill sets, which is why they would prefer be in a competitive setting where they're playing with people with equal skill level or mm-hmm. higher and trying to improve themselves and put their team up there rather uh, than, okay. you know, being really good, play with beginners, win the game. Uh, That's like, it. Ooh, I kind of think basically. Yeah. Understandable. I used to be in like those mindsets where I feel like, oh, let's just go aim low so we can win high kind of thing, yeah. basically. But you know, shout out to Fip and also Harit, you know, because they, they're <laughs> the one who's like, Mael, you're not, you're not supposed to do this, you know, it's not nice. Yeah, so, you're supposed to play as hard as you can and mm-hmm. get to and uh, get as far as you can and not be, how do I say, not be too strategic about it just because you want a medal out yeah. of it. So you want to have that experience as well, have yeah. to improve and understand where you stand at, at those points in time, mm. basically. But that's basically leagues in mm. terms of having those divisions. For our competitive um, competitive season, we also do have divisions, okay. um, mainly for mixed nationals. So we do have Div 1 and Div 2. Mm-hmm. 
How it works is that Div 1 is by invitation. And the only way you get the invitation is if you win your regional um, tournament. So Auckland, Christchurch, Wellington has... Uh, so it's the three main um, regions that we have. So teams go there and, and um, basically compete to be the top four. Okay. There's only tw- 12 spots in the Div 1. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I mean, it's only limited to only 12 teams. Mm-hmm. And so you need to win top four in your region to be able to qualify for Div 1. Oh, so okay. if you don't qualify for Div 1, mm-hmm. then you yeah. will just have to go to Div, Div two. 2. then, all right, okay. Yeah. And Div 1, mean, basically, you are playing with the best teams in the country. That sounds like fun, honestly. It is. And honestly, the thing that makes it more fun is that it's not that you go... I mean, you, you get to Div 1 based on merit, basically. Oh, just because your team name is this name. Oh, you get okay. to go all the you way get to there. Go. No, you actually have to work towards it. And that's what like this regional tournament does. So basically, you can just have ran- a random underdog team just pop up exactly. suddenly in Division 1. Well, that sounds nice, Because actually. they prove themselves during the regionals. Mm-hmm. If they're able to beat all these other long-standing, you know... Um, old teams mm-hmm. that have really big names, then yeah, by all means, go to Div 1. Yeah. Be the underdogs. Yeah, we, I mean, everybody loves that underdog story. Yeah. You know? <laughs> That'd be fun. I think my team was one of the underdogs in 2019 when mm-hmm. I played there. Uh, we made it to Div 1 and honestly, okay, I'm being very, very honest here. I did not think we were going to make it. Okay. <laughs> because they had me and I was like their weakest player, uh, I swear. And I was like, Oh damn! How are we supposed to make it to Div One? Uh, Auckland, are you, are you listening to this? <laughs> She's slandering you guys. No. <laughs> and then when we went to our regionals, we were amazing. Oh. I tell you, oh my god, I'm so proud, and I still remember. Um, we were down. Mm-hmm. We were down four eleven, and we won that game. Oh, damn. It's and a comeback story of the day. Right? Comeback story of the century. <laughs> Who the heck does four eleven and wins the game at fifteen? And um. So that's what happened, and that's how we got into Div One, and yeah, it was it was really. I'm pretty fun. sure that was a good confidence boost for everyone. Oh in my the god! Team. See, it was like it was buzzing, like mm-hmm. when we won the game and everything. Everyone was just screaming and went into the field, and I was just jumping. That it sounds fun. very fun, you know. Uh, we like in Malaysia, we are starting to have slowly starting to have more structure. I would say. But it's a. It feels like it's a really slow process in that thing. Yeah. Like how long for... did it take for like, uh, like, uh, sorry, New Zealand to actually produce this kind of like steady flow of divisions and things like that. I think the divisions only started the first year. It did. Uh, it happened was twenty nineteen, the year that I played. Mm-hmm. Prior to that, we only had one session, and okay. um, so basically one tournament for all. And that's when people realize that it's kind of unfair for all these new development teams to be playing against these bigger teams and, yep. you know, feel very dejected because, mm. you know, you're just not winning. And you, like, they score 15-0 to yeah, you, you know. It's pain, very painful. It's very painful. So that's when um, NZ Ultimate decided to split it to two divisions. Mm-hmm. And obviously, Division 1 will be more expensive than Division 2 because Division 1 has stream games, uh, um, you know, location-wise. Every, everybody wise. would love that stream games, yeah. you know. Like, location-wise, it must be like a really good Padang. Like yeah, very good Padang and everything. Um, and... I think Padang-wise, it's not like Lechak, like Malaysia. Ah, oh my I can God, tell Malaysia, you that. Malaysia, <laughs> Padangs are 
insanity <laughs> yeah because I think a lot of these padangs I might be wrong okay so you might you can correct me here mm-hmm. but a lot of these padangs the base layer is sand yeah it is so it's not um lecha when it's raining and all it's mm-hmm. just water it's, it's just, just water, puddles yeah. but Malaysia is mainly dirt, dirt. so dirt. then yeah. the more you play in it the more you destroy the padang you'll, you'll end up looking like a rhinoceros in the mud oh basically. my god yeah. and if you fall oh my god I've experienced this <laughs> like this is a funny story where like I was running I was in the field was so muddy the next thing I knew both my shoes are left behind oh my god stuck in the mud I'm like okay I had this work. tournament in Malaysia as well and the field was so bad like you want to run Mm-hmm. But you're literally just trying to walk. <laughs> you're not even trying to power walk. It's just not happening. It's just walking. And even then, it's such a struggle. No one was running the entire yeah, time. You couldn't. Like, uh, our feet are glued to the ground. How are we supposed to run? And and our lives already, honestly. Yeah. Like, comparatively, like, uh, what are your suggestions for like Malaysian, maybe towards like the MFDA? Like MFDA is the for those who don't know as well. MFDA is the Malaysian Flying Disc Association, which is the association association that is, um, built for uh ultimate frisbee in Malaysia. Maybe, um, to like for the organizers, like what mm. do you feel like you can suggest them to make sure this development into. Uh, creating a division, creating a fair game for new people mm-hmm. and old people as well. Right. I think there are obviously a lot of room to improve on. Um, let's start with um, tournaments in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of these tournaments, I might be wrong, correct me if I'm wrong, um, it's not sort of regulated by MFDA. Mm-hmm. It's mainly, say, clubs or um, organizations, organizations that yeah. want to do it, mm-hmm. then they will do it. Um, and I think that's one of the things that can be improved on in Malaysia, mainly because a lot of these tournaments, um, you are the the teams that um, participate and bid, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's basically on a favoritism basis. Mm-hmm. So if they know you, they know you play well, yeah. then you get in the tournament. Definitely. Not, w- not so much. It depends. Depends I on organizers, but I feel like a lot of it is that way. Okay. And of course, when they don't have enough um, teams, they'll just you know take pretty take much whatever, anything. Anyone who is there, basically. Yeah. and that's I. That's something that I feel like it's a bit unfair. Um, mm-hmm. it's it should always be on a first come first serve basis, mm-hmm. and not not be on merit. Like, oh, you're close to me. I know this team, so mm-hmm. they can play. Mm-hmm. And so then, if MFDA sort of steps in, then um, you might be able to regulate that a lot better. Mm-hmm. And then um, other things that you guys should improve on is mainly um, knowing the rules and actually being tested for it. Mm-hmm. So in New Zealand, um, to take the field at a national competition, national tournament, uh-huh. you need to be, um, what do you call it? Uh, tested first? No, you need to be certified by, uh, what's the rule thing? Um, okay, it's, it's, a, it's a... Flying associate. Flying, uh, flying okay, I can't remember. Okay. It's a it's a frisbee um rule thing uh, yeah. that you need to be certified for, and, and if you are not certified, you're not allowed to take the field. Okay. So how this helps is that this helps people to know the rules, mm-hmm. to be tested on the rules, Rather and so that really when really. you play, mm-hmm. you are playing by the rules. Of course, there are some instances where people are still not playing by the rules, yeah, but we can minimize that, especially with newer players who don't know the rules. Yeah. Uh, if I'm not mistaken. 
mistaken, like um, we are actually having that, but only for the ones that is run by MFDA, mm. the ones that are like high competitions, like uh, Malaysian Ultimate Open and like uh, under twenty four, things like that. They are required to have to take the test first, mm. submit that you already take the test and you already passed, and then only you can take the field basically. But for like lower competitions, like smaller competitions here and there. There's no regulation for that, and that's, it creates a problem for experienced players where like yeah. these new players don't know what the rules of exactly it. exactly. So I think that's something that you know we can look into. Mm-hmm. Probably not for every single tournament that we have, but generally, if you're playing outdoors, you might want to have it. If if not for the entire team, you would say okay, you probably need like three advanced accreditation and say seven standard accreditation, which mm-hmm. means that the majority of your team knows how to play it, knows what the rules are. Um, and in terms of like leagues, can we actually have a league in Malaysia? <laughs> I, I think consistency is key. <laughs> Maybe one day because like most of, like I said, uh, like you've noticed, all our tournaments is only one day Saturday oh, and maybe yeah. two days at worst is Sunday. That sucks too, uh, actually. Very, you know, it's very tiring actually. I, I disagree day. with that a lot because I feel like, um, first of all, you're pushing yourself beyond your limit yeah. on those days. <laughs> and um, mind you, playing outdoors for the entire day <laughs> is very tiring. You're yes, prone to injury. It's definitely. really bad. And it's also bad enough that we don't have physiotherapists oh, at all our tournaments. Uh, okay, that is one of the issues as well. There's no so, proper first aid exactly. kind of thing, basically. So there. then, um, those are things you need at a tournament, obviously. But also, try make it a two-day tournament instead of a one-day tournament. In New Zealand, we don't have a one-day tournament. It's okay. always a two-day... I mean, we're talking about bigger tournaments, mm-hmm, right? Yep. Um, yeah. It's always a two-day tournament or a three-day tournament. So our Div 1 Nationals are three days. Okay. Our other Nationals um, are two days typically. So uh-huh. Saturday and Sunday. What it does is that players are allowed to recuperate after, you know, having a long day of playing. And then you can chill at 3 p.m., or something like that. Um, after three, you can chill and mm-hmm. have a rest. You know. So you guys end at three for the day. I say about three to four. Um, certain games at five oh. because we do have a hard cap, and a hard cap is just basically uh finish your last two uh, points. Oh yeah, two points. So yeah. it might take a while. Ah uh, okay, well. Three is still pretty early. You exactly. Know, so yeah. they don't want to schedule all your games in one day. So what happens is that the the group games are usually on one day mm-hmm. and then the playoffs are on the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, in Malaysia, typically, um, we see the playoffs and the group games are all on the same day. Oh, and you start at 8am and, and you end at 7pm, honestly, bro. And everybody dies. <laughs> and yeah, then everybody exactly. just dies. <laughs> and people just get start get injured and yeah. everything and there's no proper physio for it. So... We're like your typical school nurse. Ice. You yeah. problem, ice. Cold spray, ice. Yeah, cold spray, it. ice and then bandage. That's all. Yeah. yeah. There's no proper... Uh, what call it rest or fix for that of course injury. like for us we don't uh, okay like we don't do like acupuncture or anything mm-hmm. on the field clearly but we do have actual physiotherapists who knows the shit ah. that they're doing rather than just me as a person who knows nothing and be like oh letak je uh, letak je eyes okay nanti <laughs> Like, Stretching what do I know, right? Yeah, true. Because for me, is that that's when I got injured um, during my um, the tournament that I was playing, the regionals. And had it not been for the physiotherapist, I would have been playing on a fractured ankle. Oof. Pain. So, 
it's a good thing the, <laughs> the, the physio was, like, was there. He's like, yeah, no, stop, you know? Yeah, he's like, um, Aisha, I don't think you want to play anymore. <laughs> um, I've been touching your uh, ankle and you're just like literally, you know, Jer- pulling it away. Oh, okay. And then he's like, and he's not even like, he's super lightly touching it. Oh my God, and I'm okay. like, oh shit. Well, he saved, he saved you from a lifelong injury, yeah. I guess. Well, yeah, um, it sounds like you're like, we do have a lot of things that we need to improve in Malaysia and it's, uh, it may take a while, but hopefully, like with the younger generation who like uh notices these things, more and more new things have opened up, and mm. maybe FFTA might need to take a little bit more in uh what hell initiative into it needs this. Needs to be a little more. bit more hands on. Yeah. yeah. I mean, not too controly, but at least there is a regulation for. Yeah, it, true. Know? And actually, just to touch on the newer players, mm. right? I kind of just want to implore to all frisbee players out there who have been playing frisbee for a long time, who are experienced, why don't you go out there and teach newer players how to play? You mm-hmm. know, give back to your community, develop mm-hmm. these players. Don't expect them to be good at one go. Yeah, definitely not. You yeah, know? and try and, you know, uh, build their skills with them and try and make them as good as a player as you are. Mm-hmm. Because... Look, you're going to be old one day and you're not going to be able to play anymore. So we will need these newer generations to play. And if it's not you, who else is going to be there to teach them, honestly? Yeah, true. And it's not going to grow further in Malaysia as well. I do not want to watch this Ultimate Frisbee community just burn and shrivel up and die, you know, yeah. in the next couple of years. Just because of the older mindsets that has been going around for these times. But yeah, so any wishes for any hopes and dreams for <laughs> Malaysia's ultimate when you come back from? Okay. Uh, I think it? one thing is that I wanna when I go back to New Zealand, which I will be in a few weeks, um, I'll start training again and hopefully make it to their um top team and. I guess I'll see Malaysia Malaysia Ultimate Open, you oh, know, wow. playing against okay. you guys. <laughs> well, hopefully, I'll be there to, to go against you again. Yeah, you know? Who knows? That'd be exciting. Yeah. Um, but no, and in all seriousness, um, I hope a lot of people who are new to this sport will continue playing the sport mm-hmm. and, you know, don't be dejected by... Uh, a few players who, you know, might not be the nicest people to play with. <laughs> it's a lot of not nice people in this yeah. community. I, I would say go find go find people you enjoy playing with, people you want to build your skills with. Mm-hmm. And, you know, practice with them, train with them. And I'm sure you will be a really, really good player one day. All it takes is effort and also your mental strength and everything. Yeah, you know? correct. Well, Aisha, thank you for having this day with me. I appreciate all that input, you know, very interesting <laughs> stories comparatively here and there. And even though it is, it looks like it is okay, we, we still have a long way to go until we can reach to the level yeah. of like, what, the US or something like that. Yeah. Uh, but it is going there and I believe that maybe in hopefully in the five, five to ten years time, it will be as big as maybe football or rugby, mm-hmm. you know? True, true. Right, so... Best of luck of you. All right, thank you so much for having me. Best of luck of you for getting into that division one thing, (laughs) you know. Who knows? We'll see you there. But yeah, um, all the best to you. And any last words? Nah, that's it. Thank you so much, guys. (laughs) All right. See you guys. Thank you for listening. Bye. And bye-bye.